welcome to Intersect. This is episode 12, season 2, and uh, it's me, Noah Coot, along with my wonderful co-host, Michael Brunage. That better. I think I said wonderful before, huh? Yeah. I hope that's not an April Fool's joke. <laughs> oh, wait. It's April Fool's today when we're recording. I mean, my completely atrocious and incompetent co-host, Michael Brunage. Thank you. And my horrible, mean, and whatever co-host, Noah. Slow. (laughs) (laughs) All right. um, We've got some news. We've got a lot of interesting um, information coming up. And uh, what what was the idea for this episode? Well, this episode, we're just talking about shipping. (laughs) That's more or less the issue. A supply shock. Basically, yes. things aren't working anymore, kind of. Yes. So, yes. But before we get into that, Noah, how have you been? Well, I just got back from a run, and um, I decided to take my turn remotely. So I'm actually back home for the spring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So <laughs> this is a this is different. We're also recording during the middle of the day. I was just down at the beach. I was just down at the beach a couple minutes ago. Yeah, I saw that snap. I'm like, there's no way you're going to get home at 45, and then, lo and behold... I can run up that hill, don't worry. I mean, I haven't been there in a while. I don't remember the layout of your place. Uh, but, yeah, no, it was... Uh, so you're going all all uh, away from campus. You're done with track for the season, or are you fingers as driving for the meets? Uh, so I'm probably not competing um, in the meets this term mm-hmm. uh, because I'm not the biggest fan of track. I still personally prefer cross country. And while we do have a season this term, um, we have to wear masks for literally literally every race. It's not it's not fun at all. Yeah. And I understand wearing a mask while competing with other people, but running at least something like track with a mask on the track the mask is going to impact your performance for sure yeah i mean it just feels uncomfortable i don't know some i guess for people who are more physically fit than me then it's not a big deal but for me it's just like i can't not long distances anyways i mean remote that's that's a big decision i guess I get to graduate. Oh, yeah, I was always going to graduate before you. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I might uh, finish things up in the fall term if I'm going remote right now because I still have some stuff I need to finish on campus to actually graduate. But, uh, you know, I figured things out in a way that made a lot of sense, though, with what no, I'm doing right now. It's good. Like, there's no rush to do anything or finish anything. Like, I'm currently applying for jobs, and it's not fun. I'd rather not. I'd rather be accepted. That's what you get for being an adult. Huh? <laughs> uh, yes, adulthood. This is great. I love this. No regrets. <laughs> all right, all right. So, um, do you want to get right into the news? Because uh, I know we're going a little faster with this one than usual. But oh yes, because we have time crunches. Because we're recording. Because instead of recording this at midnight or one a.m. or whatever. We decided 5 p.m., which is technically the earliest we've ever started recording. (laughs) Yeah, um, it's a busy week, to say the least. I've had to, like, travel and stuff and figure out, oh, how I'm going to do this whole term remote, and I've been contacting all the people. I just had a lot going on. Um, 
So the problem is not that I don't have time, is that my time comes in small increments where I'm actually able to do things. Yeah, I get that. And for me, it's been this week I've been more, uh, like, outside of just starting to apply for jobs and fixing up my resume, I've been more laid back because I've just had papers after paper after paper, so I'm just breathing. And I've been on I've been on bike rides a couple a couple bike rides this week, which has really helped my mood, but not today because it's raining because it was raining, and cold. <sighs> but yes, I guess let's talk about the story of why you're going remote. Of okay, a large reason why we're all these issues that we're dealing that we're going to talk about today are kind of related, and that is the coronavirus, people. Stop it. Stop getting COVID. Stop what? Stop getting COVID. <laughs> hey, I haven't gotten it yet. Uh, that's true. I haven't gotten it either. Uh, I don't know. Our 14-day our average, so that's how they track the measurements of like COVID, has gone up 17% in the last 14 days. That is... Mm-hmm. It, it, it's... While we're not, we're not on the highs of like November or... Uh, December, especially not January, we're still at the point that we were during the fall, where we had where we saw a large spike. And guys, we're so close. We're like two months away from having a vaccine available for every adult. Why are we doing this? Why are we having a a a seventeen percent national spike, Noah, in cases? I do not know why. Well, I guess it's partially something which, what was it that the WHO uses a term a long time ago for Europe? Pan- oh, pandemic yeah. fatigue. Um, COVID fatigue, I think. But yeah, pandemic fatigue, and people are just getting tired of living life in a pandemic and are just trying to do things normally again, which means that they get a lot, a little bit too comfortable with it because they say, nothing has happened to me. I've been doing all this effort, and I just want to be able to like go out and. I don't know. It's hard to fight because I understand why people feel that way. Sometimes I feel that way where I'm just like, I want to just be out with a bunch of people and hang out. But, you know, you can't really do that. But it's like, assume risk, be careful. Indoor dining, if now that it's warm again, it's warmish, you don't need to do indoor dining as much. Like, come on, guys. We're so close. I want June. I want to be able to go out normally in June or July or sometime. You know? <laughs> I don't know. This whole thing has been a pain and like we're dealing with it's a it's it's tragic, especially cuz we're doing relatively well for uh for vaccinations. Like I don't have the current numbers off the top of my head, but like a sizable portion of of people have received uh, vaccines. We're, uh, on average, right now, 2.9 million doses are, are are administered per day. That's an insane number. Like, so far, about 30% of people who are eligible to get it have gotten it, have gotten at least a shot of the vaccine. So come on, people. Well, do better. Eh. We have also like enough vaccines available for almost everyone, I think. Uh, I don't. I don't think in the U.S. In the I don't US. think we're at that level yet, but like we're getting there. Soon, soon. Uh, some states report that in the next like week or two, they'll open up vaccinations for every adult, 
or everyone above the age of 16. Yeah. Which is huge. Like, we're, like, uh, it's annoying. No, but it's like, the cases are going really up. It's like, NYU's sending an email. It's like, guys, our cases are going up. Uh, you, you talked about, we talked earlier, your school has a, a, t- a ton of cases going up. Yeah, we've got a lot of cases for a small school. So, yeah, it's an issue. So, it's it's problematic. I don't know what else to say. It's just like, stop it. Stop catching this disease that sucks. Stop being sick. Forbidden. Not allowed. Yes, that, that that's exactly it. Stop being sick. Like, what are those old jokes? It's just like, in my... Uh, in uh in the US you can get sick but in Mother Russia covid gets sick let like let's do something like that in Mother Russia you don't get sick from covid covid gets sick from you <laughs> like uh, i don't know it's extremely frustrating and then if we have more cases that means more likeliness for mutation too have you considered that yes uh, and the mutations are a big deal cuz uh so there's this city in uh i think it was uh, Sao Paulo right they had a they had a massive COVID outbreak in last year because we've talked about the fact that Bolsonaro uh, doesn't believe COVID was a thing and not a big deal. So they had catastrophic COVID cases and like everyone felt like they were sick. But because of this new variant, not only did the people who were who already got COVID once got it again, and this time they were even sicker. And it's starting to affect younger and younger people. In India, there's a mutant strain that's uh, starting to be deadly towards, well, that's deadlier for 20 to 30-year-olds. You know, the category of people who are supposedly safe from COVID, quote-unquote. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, there's th- there's this thing called endemic. And endemic just means a disease just lives around us. That's the flu. That's a common cold. Those are endemic. There is this tear all the time. Can we avoid that, please? Imagine, like... COVID is just normal life. Like, it's so... You're just prolonging death and misery. Like, eventually we'll, we'll, eventually we'll be ready where a COVID outbreak will just, will just have to live with it. But, like, can we not get to that level? <laughs> We're the species... I don't know. I don't know if it's really that easy to stop us from getting to that level. We've virtually eliminated measles. We've el- uh, eliminated smallpox. We've eliminated so many diseases. Why can't we do this with COVID? No idea, honestly. <laughs> but yeah, now I'm thinking about something. Um, we did have a theme, though, for this episode, and I think there's something related to this uh, supply shock problem in the world yes. of this pandemic. Yes. So we've, we've been, this has been a, a, a running theme that we've been talking about. Like, if we remember how, like, last year everyone was fighting to the death for toilet paper? Yep. So COVID has affected our our supply chains at every level, and we're gonna start with right uh, right now just because we're on COVID is uh, Johnson Johnson one of the uh, one of one of the vaccines that's available to people um, and they're the one shot vaccine right. So one mm-hmm. of their one of their uh, suppliers who hasn't been approved yet by the FDA. So let's let's get this straight. It's not, there's no risk of like contamination or whatever. The supplier hasn't been approved by the FDA. There's just ramping up production in preparation of. Uh, so that that manufacturer in uh, located in Baltimore 
uh, made a mistake. And then so their supplies that would have helped make 15 million doses just aren't good. So they have to so they have to restart that that process. So that doesn't affect any of the current J&J vaccines that are available now. It's just that it'll take longer to get uh, 15 million doses from J&J. Well, however many doses they were getting from, uh, however many ingredients they were getting from that specific supplier. Which means, A, they're double checking everything. Just to, just to emphasize the point of like, no one is cutting corners on the safety of these vaccines because they're kind of trying to give them to everyone. So if there's a, if there's an issue about it, that'd be bad. Mm-hmm. And like, if people want resources or like uh, information about this, I'd be glad to find them and provide them for you. But the vaccine is safe and I'd rather have the vaccine than a disease that has killed 560,000 Americans alone, half a million people. Oh. Getting vaccines. So whatever your concerns are, decide between a vaccine that has been tested on millions of people of that in clinical trials has gone through hundreds of thousands of people who millions of people have it or go with the disease that has killed half a million of people in the U.S. alone. Pick one. But uh, I'd probably go for the one that's actually tested. <laughs> like... No one is trying, to, no one is cutting corners. Everyone's trying to be very careful. This is why AstraZeneca is in the news every week because everyone's just like being very careful and looking at everything. And yes, yeah, so that's a Johnson Johnson supply problem. And so that just means it'll be slower to roll out. But there's not all bad news. They just did a test saying that uh, the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines are basically 100% effective for... Uh, for uh, teenagers, so from people between the ages of 13 and 16, which is awesome news. So in a couple months, they'll be eligible too. So that means schools can open and everyone can go back to school. No one has to stay at home, which is progress, but only if we work together and do this right. Because herd immunity just means that spread is not everywhere. Herd immunity just means we have some base layer of protection and we need everyone to participate because even when we were talking about them mm, it's hard to convince everyone though at least everyone who can participate but you know the problem is that everyone who can is willing to do it well and if people have concerns oh this was only done in one year before that it's like when you give something unlimited money guess what happens it gets done faster <laughs> noah if i gave you 20 dollars to if if I gave you twenty dollars to like a uh, drive to New York, you're like, eh, I'll take my time with it or whatever, right? But if I gave you a million dollars, you'd be here in like four hours, right? Probably. <laughs> I mean, I would first of all um, react to that request with a lot of doubt, <laughs> or more of an offer. But, but yeah, probably. If it's legit, a million dollars, I would come down to New York. If I gave you a billion. Fuck traffic. Do you, do you get here in two hours? <laughs> like, <laughs> Look, like $20, uh, you know, gas, all that stuff. Is it really worth the money? It's a little inconvenient. A million dollars? That's already, like, totally worth it. Um, You know, a billion dollars? What? <laughs> <laughs> no one invents teleportation. <laughs> I'd take, like, yeah, the Acela Express, like, go for a first-class seat. I don't care. Last minute, take the high-speed train. But, yeah, so... 
in general, if there are concerns, I like I've already gotten one. Several of my friends have gotten uh, are fully vaccinated. It's so, like there are questions or an- anecdotals. Like there's, it's one thing to look at the data and see how few people get any adverse, uh, uh, like uh, they get any side effects or whatever. But it's like testimonials help. And it's true, some people get sick for a day. It's true, some people have allergic reactions. But, like, it's safe. And there's a reason. And because of the concerns, you're not... After you get vaccinated, you have to wait 15 minutes just for them to monitor you. Just because they're doing this out of abundance of caution. But, yeah. I, I think we should take a break. All right. And we're back. So, Noah... Do you got something to tell us? Well, um, you know, shipping has been a little interesting lately. Ship happens. Uh, at least in this last week. Um, a lot of trade was suddenly blocked by a rather odd event um, in the Suez Canal. I think you guys have heard of a boat called the Ever Given. Um, now... While there's Evergreen written on the boat, that is actually the name of the shipping company, not the name of the boat. The boat is known as the Ever Given. But a large cargo ship kind of got stuck in the Suez Canal oh. and uh, blocked a good amount of trade. Other things that are confusing about the, uh, about the Ever Given ship it is owned by a, I think it's owned by a Japanese company run by, uh, by uh, Taiwanese wor- uh, workers, but it has a Panamanian flag. Because the world of shipping is weird. It's all about loopholes. And uh, as it turns out, going for all the different nationalities and stuff is good. Um, at saving money. Yes. And so is going through a canal. Usually. Yeah. But uh, this canal that lies, um, that goes through Egypt, and I think connects the Mediterranean to the, what's the name of that sea? I want to say the Arabian Red sea. sea, something. The Red Sea? Okay, yeah. Um, basically, that little ocean between Saudi Arabia and Africa. Um, it's there, There's a very important canal there that's existed for a long time. And um, a cargo ship ended up having a an issue when maneuvering through the canal and ended up getting stuck because uh, the wind caused it to have a certain... I, I forgot what the effect was, but... It's relatively. It, yeah, there was a sand. There was a sandstorm, and then like it kind of shifted in the wrong way. Like I, I don't know like the specific details of it, but it's like wind knocked it off course. Yeah. So, big boat blocking a canal, and about twelve percent of world global trade goes through that canal. Imagine for a week, twelve percent of your bandwidth to the internet is blocked <laughs> so that means your internet is 12 percent slower same with world trade the economy slowed down because for some reason now they couldn't get cargo to ship properly and uh it impacted a lot of industries because almost all industries rely on some form of um cargo and transport but notably the energy sector with a lot of oil and natural gas coming from saudi arabia usually towards Europe, were heavily impacted 
as well as I believe you said tech. Yes. So a lot of so the way tech works is they ship uh, different processes for like ship uh, for like ship making etc. Goes back and forth between like Asia, Europe, and the, and the, and North America because they all contribute to some part of it. So in terms of like dollar amounts, it's oil and tech are on like equal grounds. It's just like, oh no, this is gonna this is gonna ruin us financially. And mind you, normally a hundred ships a day go through uh through the Suez Canal. And then they were just stuck. And you know, you know what they say, time is money, and one week for the one of the busiest uh trading networks in the world is like a pretty big deal. But yeah. So how long did it take for it to get unstuck? Because it has been unstuck. Yes, so it took a, about a week because we talked about this. We gave a quick summary last week, last episode, and we said how it got stuck and stuff. But like it took about a week to fix it. And they had uh, tugboats trying to pull it out and push it out. They had an excavator. They got a uh, they they got dredging equipment from like Netherlands to dredge the ocean to uh, to dredge the, the, the bank to try to get the ship out. And mind you, they were on a time crunch because they needed to get this done by high tide because that was their best chance of getting it done early. Well, relatively early. And like, so we had to use nature to get the ship out. And it was a huge process. And, it, and mind you, the whole, like there are 300 ships, 400 ships waiting to pass through the, the the Suez Canal and they were all like screaming and celebrating and like honking whatever boats have like they were honking but I don't know what it's called for boats <laughs> yeah um so I think one big issue was it took a while because they're trying to do it without completely damaging the boat and they're worried they had to take all the cargo off the ever given yes and um, another issue is that the Suez Canal they did not have actually tugboats powerful enough to do the job. So they actually had to bring them in from elsewhere to uh, pull the boat out. And also where the boat was stuck, there was no way they were going to get like uh, the equipment to remove the cargo. Unless, say, they uh, they threw it, they threw it out. <laughs> so, yeah, no, it was a it's a pretty big deal. And it's. Mind you, some of these things, the way the way factories work, it's they're used to having items come to them consistently. So just the fact that there's a day delay or a week delay can set off productions off by months. And that can affect jobs, that can affect like how soon you can get stuff. And it is there are consequences that are go beyond like just like oh no. It got stuck for one week and actually i think this brings us up to our next topic it's it held uh, the boat the swiss crisis uh made a, a bad problem worse and we've been talking about this how there's been a semiconductor uh shortage in the world and uh noah can you explain to us what a se- semiconductor is uh so a semiconductor is basically a very general term, because if you're to ask me what a semiconductor house is, um, by itself, 
It's just a type of conductor that has special properties where you might heard of insulators like rubber around your wire and conductors like gold or copper inside a wire. Semiconductors are both depending on certain states that are quite complicated and I'm not like, um, well, I have an idea of how it works. I'm not the right person to explain completely how it works because it's extreme physics and like even it involves quantum mechanics. So um, a semiconductor though is key to creating uh, processors, um, microcontrollers, uh, everything that basically does computing in an electronic device like your phone and your computer and even something like your car has some computing involved or it it know. plugs into electricity it needs electricity it has a semiconductor in it so your fridges your <laughs> dishwasher all of those have have semiconductors and yeah part of this is because a lot of manufacturing for semiconductors happens in asia and then there was the whole uh, and then COVID started there and the country shut down and then there was so much increased demand for computers and stuff in the U.S. and Europe, which meant that there's not like the production was down, but demand was high, and it's insane. And like the consequences are way more than like, oh no, it's gonna take four weeks for my iPhone to show up instead of two weeks. It's called and the largest automakers had to pause production. Some of them have even laid off, uh, laid off people, including like Ford, for example. Some of them have had to cancel entire product lines. Like there are some cars they're just not making anymore because they just don't have the chips for it. Uh, Ford, their for their F one fifty, their most popular uh, pickup truck, their most popular vehicle. Period. They said they're getting rid of the EcoBoost feature this year because they need the chips to manufacture them, and it's really bad well it is really bad but i feel like people misunderstand what exactly the issue is um it's not that we don't have the same capacity to manufacture as before the issue that is happening right now is that the demand over this last year has actually grown to a level that has never been seen before and yeah because everyone's buying computer hell do, do you know the reason why no one can buy a PlayStation 5 or Xbox Series X or an NVIDIA graphics card or an AMD graphics card? It's because of this. Mm-hmm. Well, everybody nowadays is getting a computer. This is why you don't have as much of an issue, for example, in the phone industry or, like, why Apple's custom silicon is not no, an issue. That like it, the it is still an issue, Noah. Well, Apple has okay, to okay, ha, Apple um, has to pay uh, Samsung money because they can't meet deliveries because there's just not enough there's not enough parts for them to ship. Uh, okay, uh, I'm I'm gonna correct myself. The iPhone has not seen that issue. Their custom silicon for their computers has. The difference is over the pandemic there hasn't been that much change in industry growth when it came to the phone market, but on the computer market. A lot more people are buying computers right now due to the um, situation with a pandemic to try to adapt for remote um, work. And because of that, demand has gone way beyond anything companies expected. And the issue with the 
um, semiconductor industry is that the equipment needed to create semiconductors, manufacture semiconductors is extremely expensive and difficult to um, set up. Um, but what else is going on is all the other companies are trying to ask for a um, allotment because basically the way it works is you can reserve a certain amount of manufacturing dedicated for your product from a semiconductor company. That's what Apple and does. And all of a sudden... What? That's what Apple does. They, they reserve all their stuff ahead of time. That's why they're not having the big supply crunch that everyone else is having. Yeah. And, and the issue is now that everybody realizes, hey, we need to get more chips manufactured to meet demand, um, they can't reserve more of manufacturing because it's already all taken up. Yeah, no. And the issue is, even once the semiconductor um, manufacturing chain is fixed, the problem is that there's always even more along the supply chain that needs to be um, upgraded. Like, for example, all the processors you create need to be placed on boards, uh, PCBs, the green boards with all like the wire, like the lines on them. And about that, it's you need to. Um, be able to then have all the companies that manufacture those be able to um, bring their manufacturing up to a level. And then you have all the components like capacitors, resistors, and all that that also need to then go up and reach demand. And there's another big issue right now with the industry where the question is, is this something that is temporary only with a pandemic happening? Is, it suddenly, is demand suddenly going to start going back down again once this all is done? Or is it going to stay high as it is now? Well, it's also, to be clear, COVID is not the only thing that's responsible for this. There's also the fact that the U.S. and China are in a trade war because uh, former, the former president started a trade war, which hurt the production of, of chips, of, uh, of, of semiconductors. So part of this is just a, it, it is a unintended consequence of going to war with the largest manufacturing country, well, economic war with the largest manufacturing country in the world so it's part of so most of it is pandemic but there are also geopolitical reasons as to why we're dealing with this and this is why yeah. last week when we talked about intel investing however many billions of dollars into into manufacturing the fact that uh biden is considering using the defense production act which is what uh uh, Trump used to force people to make uh, manufacturers to prioritize making ventilators and face masks. He's using that for chips because this has consequences for everything. Like Apple has to is paying their manufacturing's money because they can't they just can't build more iPhones. <laughs> they're cutting the amount uh, they're they're cutting products because of even Apple cut the HomePod because of the semiconductor. That and the HomePod was like unsuccessful commercially, but it's also partially because of they just don't have the chips to spare. Like, it's a big effing deal, and it's not gonna get fixed anytime soon. And the consequences for, for like say uh, you and me or just anyone listening to this is, say you need a new phone that'll cost more. You need a new laptop that will cost more, or it'll be harder to get. You want a new gaming console? Wait in the back of the line or pay three times the price to get it now. Like, there are real world consequences where it's not, 
the we were talking about Ford, right? Without the EcoBoost thing, that leads to an increase in emissions. That's actually bad for the environment because we can't make those chips and we can't provide them for Ford. People are being fired, laid off. This is a serious crisis. Oh, for sure. And um, it's making me think. We had this conversation this morning where I was talking about how I have my own computer that I built. Um, I use older hardware because I don't really feel a need to upgrade as much in a hurry. But I'm finally starting to realize, like, hey, my graphics card is kind of starting to uh, run a bit slower than I would like because a lot of this newer software we have tends to rely on more powerful hardware. And that's completely normal and understandable. I'm not mad about that. But the problem is, now I am at the worst time ever to upgrade my computer, while this is probably the best time for me to upgrade it if I were to look at it from a hardware point of view. Yeah. No, it's it's really bad. So I'm going to be here probably waiting for this to go over because I'm not in a hurry to upgrade. But the issue is I'm one of the lucky people who already has a computer. Um, imagine a person who doesn't have a computer who wants to get one. They're really out of luck right now. <laughs> Remember my scare a couple of weeks ago when I when my current computer died and I had to emergency buy another one? Yes. Like, it, it's, it's like, uh, it can be stressful and you never know. Sometimes your computer's fine one day and the next day it's not. So this problem could affect you anytime. There's not much that can be done about it, though, from a consumer point of view. Yeah. No. And the people who work in the industry are all trying their best to fix the issue. The, the problem is just, it's a problem of economy where it just takes a while to scale up. You can't just scale up instantly. And yes, the government can, to some extent, help try to push for increased manufacturing. And it has happened. I think TSMC is uh, creating a new manufacturing plant in the U.S., uh, right? I'm not sure if they're doing that. Uh, Foxconn says they're going to finally do something with the, with the thing in Wisconsin, which if you haven't heard about, like... I'll put an article down from The Verge. It's really funny timeline. Um, but Intel says they're investing on two different uh, factories in uh, in the U.S. to develop uh, for chip manufacturing. Biden says it's a national security priority. It's a pretty big <laughs> deal. And it's going to take time to fix. And it's necessary. And it's all we need all these things. Like uh, there's a battery shortage, too which affects electric cars, which is like, there's a lot of things on the tech sector that like, whether or not they were accelerated by COVID or other reasons, it's like, it is creating real world consequences at a time when we're trying to fight climate change, when we're trying to deal with all this online work, we can't really afford. Yeah. Um, and I know, I think what I was talking about with Biden, it, with um the manufacturing plant earlier i think it was biden who was trying to push for support and construction of the manufacturing plant but the issue is construction is not something that can be instant and especially with something like a semiconductor well it depends also on what you're building a a semiconductor manufacturing plant takes a lot of time because you need to set up clean rooms and so on that's an actual process that takes a lot of time to set up yeah um So, for now, we cannot catch up to the demand, even in terms of, like, 
if we throw all the money at it because companies would throw all their money at it if they could fix the problem because they would reap so many benefits and rewards. Um, at this point, it's just our technology is what's limiting us. Yep. All right. I think we should take a break before our last big story. Okay. And we're back and we're going to talk about something that's not as much related to supply chains. What do you but mean? It's certainly a com- it- well, uh, uh, wait, 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 uh, no, I'm not done talking, <laughs> but it's certainly a company that affects our supply as consumers. I'm sorry. Amazon is the ultimate supply chain logistic company. They deal with I, every level of the stack. <laughs> okay. Okay. If you want. Um, but yeah, no, uh, we're going to talk about Amazon. Um, you know, uh, that company everyone loves to complain about for re- for good reasons, I think. But, you know, see, we do love complaining about Amazon. Do we like complaining about Amazon? Because I feel everyone complains about Facebook. Well, every- I think everyone realize is like Amazon is like a necessary evil or something like that. Well, everyone complains about Jeff Bezos, at least. OK, but that's just because of his net worth, Mike. <laughs> True. Um, um, but about that, um. You all know about Amazon and uh, something called union busting. They really go hand in hand. So continuing on our cycle of like big tech companies have gotten really big and their economic power is tremendous and there seems to be a lack of checks and balances. So Amazon has been in the in the news lately because of dirt, because people in Bessemer, Alabama, (laughs) I don't know why I said it that way, are trying to unionize. And mind you, it's not, it has nothing to do with pay. Most people say they like their job at Amazon. Amazon actually pays really well, depending on what state you're in. So in Alabama, where the minimum wage is $7.25, Amazon's paying them $15 an hour. So, but it's just the working conditions in Amazon are extremely strict, extremely harsh. And the workers feel that they need to form a union. Well, there's a, there was a plan by a lot of workers that they needed to form a union to have their voices heard so that Amazon can listen to their concerns and be able to address these workplace issues. Yep. So this past week, people in Bess, uh, and the employees of a, of a Amazon warehouse in Bessemer, Alabama, have are voting and are currently still voting on whether or not to unionize. And Mm -hmm. the context of this fight has been rough. The things that have happened, the stories that are heard are incredible. Like working conditions at Amazon warehouses are a very different breed of experience and type of work that while I've never worked at an Amazon warehouse, I've had uh, family members and friends who've worked there and they've described to me a culture of work that just seems i don't ever hear about like japanese work standards where people fall asleep on the train like they work like all day long and get no breaks yeah where you have people who literally sleep on their desks in japan because the culture is you're supposed to be so overworked that if you don't end up falling asleep on your desk at the end of the day that means you are not working hard enough yeah so like in Amazon, they have this time off thing. So if you're mm-hmm. not directly working on packages, you're technically using your limited, uh, a, you have a limited uh, 
amount of time where you don't have to work. It's just no one knows, no one seems to know that limit, whether it's 15 minutes total during a, during like a, a 12 hour shift or what, what's the amount to the point where employees feel the, feel the need to pee in bottles or even shit in plastic bags. Yeah. Um, that includes not only warehouse people, but also the drivers for the trucks, um, because they have to go to every single house. And I think they also have a lot of stress because there's now tools like AI cameras in all the vans that try to detect if a driver is yawning or something like that. Yeah, or if they're not going at optimal speeds. Like everything is micromanaged. If you're if you're not staying with if you're staying closer than six feet, uh, they'll buzz you about that. If you're uh, if you're a, if you're twenty percent slower, you'll get you you'll get a notification about it. So. Everything is tracked at these Amazon warehouses, and they're huge warehouses, like football fields, multiple football fields long. So sometimes they make you run back and forth, and it's like it's a lot of work. Yep, um, I think I've heard though. So all of that is happening, and of course, um, Amazon is trying to crack down on people who try to uh, support unionizing and, to some extent, talk badly about the company. I've heard that actually a person who works IT at Amazon f made a flag about the Amazon Twitter account getting hacked because some tweets by the Amazon account seem to be so extreme that the, the IT worker for Amazon believed it got hacked. <laughs> no, it's uh, the anti-union the anti stuff that they've done have been ridiculous they they force employees to go to mandatory meetings where they hear from anti-union people they have ads for it it's gotten so big that it's gotten national attention republicans and democrats are 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 saying that they should let amazon workers uh, uh unionize you have celebrities going down to bessemer alabama uh standing with union workers it is you have the amazon corporate twitter attacking senators and attacking celebrities and attacking people directly for saying that they are for the unionization it is a lot <laughs> and they keep saying like amazon keeps saying like we have 15 dollars minimum wage that's higher that's double the federal one and it's like yes that's true and and you can pay more but you still have to be a you still have to deal with working conditions like goldman sachs just because uh uh, uh, people who start working there make one hundred fifty thousand uh, uh, dollars as a yearly salary does not mean they should be working hundred hour week weeks. It's n just because you're paid you pay better or pay well does not mean you can treat your employees like trash or like robots. Like... Yeah, there's it, it's a big issue, and the problem I feel is that. While a lot of people are against it, it also seems so difficult for many people to uh, voice their disdain because Amazon's going to keep on doing what they do until... Um... So yeah, Amazon is going to keep on doing what they do until they actually have something that impacts them from a revenue standpoint. Yeah, no, and it's... Part of it has to do with Amazon's uh, culture. They look for efficiencies everywhere that they can. 
and that's essentially that's been the com- company's motto. It's their uh, consumer focus. They're consumer focused, hyper focused on the consumer and consumer needs, and all these tech companies can claim the same thing. Google, it's like we want to cater specifically to our consumers. That's why we need to gather twenty times more information than the iPhone does, or um, Facebook. Oh, we already know everything about you before you even make a profile with us. And to a certain point, it's like, yes, they all help benefit, but you have to look on the overall picture. What is the harm to society? And we should not incur it. There's something to be said when a company's employees feel that they are so stressed out that they have no breaks. They feel the need to shit in a bag because they kind of gross that is so gross i kind of want to every single time i order something from amazon i kind of want to bleach it before like opening it now sorry (laughs) i feel that's an appropriate reaction no totally appropriate but yes so it's and it's also unions in general have a role in american society they've had a role in american society a declining one since like the 1980s under reagan but they're the reasons we had all you see all those people who are like coal provides good hardworking jobs or whatever it's because you're in a union because before unions coal jobs sucked and in fact the reason say a country like the uk isn't that dependent on coal is because they broke their unions which is just to say unions are a complicated issue but it's like if you're talking about exploitations of workers unions stop that exploitation or at least they help alleviate this the symptoms of it especially when it comes to like amazon workers it's not necessarily jobs that pay incredibly well either well 15 dollars an hour is not that bad it's more than minimum wage that's true it's double it's more than double minimum wage in in most in most states yeah but yeah no it's uh just the working conditions at amazon are a lot and and just to see the tactics that they're willing to go through to stop people, like uh, they were, <laughs> every people were not allowed to. Amazon's like you're not allowed to go in other people's cars, like other employees' cars. Uh, you're not allowed to talk during your lunch break. <laughs> like it is insane mm-hmm. to the lengths that the one of the largest companies in the world. I don't know if they're the most valuable or second or third, but they're up there. They feel the compulsive need to do all of that. That just tells you how like afraid like Amazon is. And mind you, Amazon can work in a union-based model. That's what they do in Europe. And it's not like no company can be successful in the U.S. when dealing with union workers. Just ask the people in, at Ford or Chevy or I forgot. I think it's Mercedes that operates a, a plant in North Carolina. Like they're unionized. Like, these companies work extremely well. And it just, who are these companies accountable to? Are they accountable to, uh, are, are they accountable to just the shareholders? Or are they accountable to stakeholders? And stakeholders includes employees, shareholders, uh, uh, consumers, and to society as a whole. And we need to make sure that these companies are held, are held to the fire. They need, we need to make sure that they help everyone down the ladder that they contribute more good than bad to our society yeah 
Uh, I think we're done here. <laughs> we've talked basically a topics we wanted to talk about. Yeah. And anyways, thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys. We love to support. We, we love it. Please share, like, and subscribe. Like, share with your friends. We really appreciate to have more people join us and join this conversation so we can talk more. And thank you guys. Please leave a ratings uh, on the on the podcast app, the Apple Podcast app, or wherever you can. And thank you guys for listening. Thank you, thank you. Y'all have a good one. Peace. Bye.